All right, so uh, so last week we watched Jack Benny, and I, it's uh, two weeks ago now. It's yeah, because we missed yeah. last week because it was raining. But uh, on YouTube, there's over a hundred episodes of his TV show and four hundred of his radio shows. It amazes me that people of your age never heard of Jack Benny. Yeah. But yet you heard of Ed Wynn. Like, that's real. Yeah. That's well, weird. I mean, it's not like my generation knows Ed Wynn. I just happened to know Ed Wynn. That was a weird one. But, uh, but yeah, it's like we're doing the good work of spreading Jack Benny's name more, I think. So, uh, yeah, I looked into him a bit. And I looked up uh, just to see how the radio show related to the TV show. Like transitioned? Yeah. yeah. So I found, since the one we watched was the episode where he's trying to steal an acting job from Vincent Price, so I found a radio show episode with Vincent Price in it that was from about eight years before, and it was the exact same thing. 90% the same plot, you know, Vincent Price. They did the whole thing the same. So that must be what the TV show was, mostly, was just them recycling old radio shows. It probably was. It <laughs> yeah. probably was. But yeah, so also uh, listening to the older stuff in the radio shows, there there are songs sometimes. We got lucky that we got one with no song. They usually work in a song. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and uh, the manservant guy, Roscoe, is that his name? Roscoe. Yeah, so I, I see what they mean now when I was saying, I read in the wiki article that it's like cool that he was the first, you know, consistent african-american character but he is very stereotypical because he's always yes sir no sir oh yes he's the man servant <laughs> yeah. no no doubt about that it also made me uh, this is another thing that seems to be coming up a lot but it made me understand old simpsons jokes better because <laughs> like the simpsons had a great way of the jokes were funny even if you didn't get the reference and then later if you know the reference it's like oh cool yeah so yeah that roscoe guy there was uh, an itchy and scratchy cartoon from there's like here's one of our old black and white ones and of course there's a cigarette sponsor in it so this dude comes up and like here's your smokes mr itchy i don't know what's in them but i just know i can't stop smoking them and i'm like oh it's that guy like it's clearly him <laughs> exactly and those ads are those ads yeah. that we've been watching all along uh the other thing about, yeah, that the thing that it teaches you, too, about The Simpsons, I, I haven't watched that many Simpsons episodes, but there's no question, when you watch that those Simpsons, you can watch it on one level, but, man, they've got a whole lot of levels underneath. And if you kind of know what they're referring to, it gives it a whole extra depth. And, and specifically from this sort of era that we're in, in the 50s, because, like, yeah, the people that were writing The Simpsons were in their 30s and 40s in the early 90s so yeah they're just remembering back so i have a feeling it's going to keep happening <laughs> yeah and and they you can tell when you watch them and you know those references that they're going to they did a lot of research in that yeah. that's just not really hey let's just do some fly-by-night type comedy here no they've really done a whole lot of research into a whole lot of references and once you start seeing it you say oh yeah i saw that on the simpsons oh yeah that's what they were talking about well that's like uh like, again, just jokes in The Simpsons that I had no idea what they were referring to until later is, uh, you know, when I was in, like, high school and I found, like, Ayn Rand books. And I'm like, cool, Ayn Rand, fucking individualist philosophy or whatever. And I realized there was a, an Ayn Rand joke in The Simpsons that just flew right over my head where they send Maggie to... Uh, a daycare and it's the Ayn Rand school for tots which is you know because she's all about look after yourself and be self-sufficient so it's ludicrous that there would be an Ayn Rand school for tots and the woman that runs the thing is like you can't have this pacifier because what does it say to suck on this pacifier it says I am a leech <laughs> and I'm like yeah they're doing all these Ayn Rand jokes I didn't know I didn't get any of that so. but when you look at that show later 
knowing what you know. Yeah, it makes it even better. It makes it <laughs> so much better. You're saying, oh, look at all this stuff that's in here. So, so many levels. Yeah, that's why The Simpsons has been so successful and has lasted so long. Yeah, well, it doesn't operate on just a superficial level. Unfortunately, it does now. Like, it's not a good show anymore. But uh, nowadays, they're just keeping it going to sell underwear with Homer's face on it. But I heard they might actually be canceling it because the actors are getting so fucking old that, like, especially Marge. Marge was old anyway. So you can hear it. Like, Marge is supposed to still be a 34-year-old woman, but she's like, old as shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, eventually they're going to start dying and stuff. It's like, let's just call it a day, can we? It's been, The Simpsons has been bad for 20 straight years. <laughs> like, yeah, and there's a the point. When you get to, uh, when you're first producing your stuff, it can really be top-notch because you're trying to sell the product. Yeah. So you've really put some work into it. But as time goes on, it becomes really popular and you're just producing the product. You, you can't keep up with producing that same level of of uh, depth or research or that the early shows have. It was neat, too. The Simpsons, specifically, was the first primetime cartoon since the Flintstones. Like, it had things to prove. <laughs> and it was on the fledgling Fox network, where the only popular show was Married with Children, you know? Like... Like they, it just was a different world back then. Now they don't have anything to prove. They don't give a shit, and you can tell they don't give a shit. Yeah, well, they're just in it for the money now. So yeah. more, more so than the actual creativity of, of the product. But uh, speaking though of yeah, the the constant through line we've had with these shows of the cigarette advertising stuff. This was a, a clip I found from one of the Jack Benny radio programs, and this kind of cracked me up. So I just grabbed this clip to play for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Heart Association is in need of $5 million to carry on their fight against the nation's leading cause of death. This money is needed to develop more local heart associations, which will serve the community by unifying all local medical, nursing, and welfare services into one effective program. So please send your contributions to your local heart association or the American Heart Association, Box 500, New York City. Open your heart. Give to fight heart disease. Thank you. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment. But first... So, like, I get that heart disease and lung cancer are two different things, but yeah, how can you do the PSA about heart disease and go straight into smoke a lucky to be your level best? (laughs) That was from like 1937 or so. I know, right? And they're just like completely straight-faced about it. They don't even get that that's they don't weird. Make the connection. <laughs> they don't make the connection that not only does lucky cigarettes not only do they affect your lungs, they also affect your heart. Yeah. Please donate money to help save you from the thing that yeah. we're helping cause. <laughs> Yeah, God. Yeah, that was ridiculous when I heard that. <laughs> the other thing that I kind of thought was a little interesting is because, uh, you know, I'm a, a pro wrestling fan for some fucking reason. And the common thing everyone brings up about pro wrestling is like, you know, it's fake, right? And they, in this 1937 Jack Benny episode, they go to uh, horse racing. And Jack Benny's like female friend. I don't know who she is really. But she's like, uh, oh, why don't you just pick the uh, horse that's going to win? And he's like, you dizzy broad, what do you mean? And she's like, well, isn't it like wrestling? Don't, isn't it, you know, predetermined? So in 1937, they were making jokes about how wrestling is fake. 
can we give it up, please? It's going to be a hundred years soon that we've known wrestling is fake. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just wish people would stop bringing that up. Well, to me. they got to keep bringing it up for each new generation because the new generation doesn't look at the past. I guess, but I mean, if we're not all aware wrestling's fake at this point, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's not a good argument, is all. But uh, so anyway, there's the Jack Benny update from last week. So this week, this is significantly different. I don't know, this one might be interesting or it might be dry, I don't know, it's hard to say. Is I found a bunch of newsreels from the 40s. And uh, all I know is it's got a bunch of views on YouTube and the comments are all like, wow, this is great, this is archival, this is amazing, thanks for posting these. So people think these are interesting, and who knows? I think these are the ones that they would play in movie theaters, if I'm not mistaken, but I haven't watched any of this yet, so I don't know. So these are the kind of thing like that Edward Morrow would do? I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. I'm not actually quite sure what this is. Just it's called the the movie tone news. So I think oh, it was yeah. played. Oh yeah, these in... would be the things that would be yes, the news before you watch the movie. Watch the movie. So all I know is it's from they're from the 40s in general. This is two hours of these. So let's 40s. just 40s. Okay, so they probably are dealing a whole lot I mean, with reporting on the war, yeah, World so, War Two. So that could be interesting. So obviously two hours is too much. So let's watch half an hour and see how we're feeling. If okay. it's if it's the most interesting thing in the world, we can keep watching it. Well, but I got my ho- my homemade beer here from Dave, so <laughs> it'll keep me going. Okay, the thing we got to watch for this is the narration. Right. The narrations in these things, as I remember seeing a few of them, um, I'm not that old, but I saw them, I've seen them, is very intense. It's very, like, dramatic, as if you were on stage. It's not like just, okay, well, here's the news for this evening. It's like, Dieppe, the landing at Dieppe. Right. The boats are coming in. It's very... So it's not going to be like the good night and good luck Oh no! You know. <laughs> it won't. It, it shouldn't be. I'd be very surprised if it's very calm and just like here's here's the news for this evening. It's probably very like oh oh. I'm a little curious too if they do do war stuff just because uh, people knew about World War II, but there was this whole dead zone where people just didn't talk about it and. And I'm just curious to see what the news at the time was like, you know, like all the real atrocities and the the depth of what happened. It's like people knew, but not like they know now, you know. Well, you have to, when you think about the 50s, and we, we have kind of put the 50s into a little box of little being Leave very, it to Beaver World. Yeah, clean and everybody. And there was, you know, there was all kinds of shit going on. There was poverty. There was people who didn't have enough food to eat, uh, didn't have jobs. But it was kind of like very sanitized. And I think that was a reaction to World War II because it was so horrible and there were so many awful things that happened that people just wanted to block that out and pretend that it didn't exist anymore. Well, yeah, like it's definitely different by the time I was in school. Like I remember in high school, which has been, you know, the mid-90s when I was in high school, literally they would show us World War II documentaries where you see that grainy black and white footage of corpses being bulldozed into big pits. And I was like... It's, yes, we need to know about this, but isn't this a little much? <laughs> but I think the 50s was a counter-reaction to that, because there was still awful things going on in the 1950s. But yet our image of the 50s, music, uh, literature, everything was this very so clean, uh, suburban. Uh, everybody had the nice car. Women went shopping in their white gloves and their little hats and their dresses. And I think that was a reaction to how terrible World War II was, and people just didn't want to think about it anymore. Yeah, it's like uh, my friend Ken, who is about your age, like he would talk about that, about like uh, his podcast is called Dicks and Janes, because in the 50s it was like the world of Dick and Jane, the perfect little family, and the 2.5 kids, and the, the nuclear family, all that stuff. And then, you know, the 60s happened, and everyone 
became a cool revolutionary hippie because they're like, that's fucking fake. That's all fake. Yeah, it was <laughs> so. all fake. It was all fake because there was still that awful, not not quite the, the same because, of course, the war was over. But there was still terrible things going on. People living in ghettos, people uh, not being able to get education because of their color, uh, all that stuff was, but it was all kind of sanitized, and it had to be a reaction. Well, let's see what we got here. All right, let's do it. Oh, yeah, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> the German invading force is speeding to capture Oslo. The blow against Norway is launched. Warships loaded with troops, which they are to land. Soldiers wearing life belts, should the vessel be sunk in battle. The naval squadron drives through the waters of the Skagerrak for the surprise attack that transformed the war in Europe. They know they're in danger of attack. There is an attack by a British warplane and aircraft fire. It's kind of interesting because, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies and stuff on this kind of stuff. But is to see the actual primary source material for it is, uh, yeah, kind of kind of fascinating. Hirohita reports you all here into Japan. Certainly is egg on his face. I gave up. Definitely timed out well that it basically covered the whole war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the two hours and you just kind of pushed it ahead. Is that right? Yeah, so if anybody wants to look that up, it's called the Movie Tone News of the 1940s. And it's like, yeah, there's the two hour version. So we watched like the first 35 minutes or so and then we just sort of started skipping through. But yeah, we definitely got a sense of what these newsreels before movies, how they worked. It was like about 10 minutes, started with a bunch of war, and uh, and then moved on to... But each little blip was only about a minute. Yeah, it moved on quick. It definitely didn't let you get too bored. Yeah, <laughs> hardly like... a time to think about what they were doing, and you were into something else. It's interesting, though, that they did use that formula pretty yeah. well all the way through. They started off with a very serious happenings in the world, and then they went on to very frivolous stuff. And they finished off with, yeah, pretty frivolous crap. Yeah, it's funny, though. So you'd though. be nice and happy when it was time to watch the movie. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we watched that covered about six years of stuff, like the whole war. And, uh, I mean, the way that they show the war was definitely more entertainment than news of, like, the, the music, the bombastic, like, John Williams-type music. While they just describe, ah, oh, the giant warships and they're firing the blah, blah, blahs. But yeah, as we got toward the end, it was getting a lot more grim of like, here's a bunch of Nazi corpses, here's dead uh, Mussolini. <laughs> you know? But even then, they must not have wanted people to feel depressed or blue because even the, while they were showing all those horrific things, and they were horrific, there was this kind of 
uplifting music at the end, like these are terrible things that happened, but we won the war. If you so, want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs, folks. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't any of this like, oh, how terrible it was, or commentary on these terrible bodies that are just rotting and the shock that people must have felt when they came upon those kind of things. It was like, well, here they all are, and it's terrible, but da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I'm still, though, I'm still surprised they showed some of those, like, corpse pits and, uh, like, bodies strung up and stuff, because I'd always heard one of the big reasons that the reaction to Vietnam was so bad and there was such a backlash was that it was the first time people got to see real video footage of what war is like, but they showed some pretty rough shit here in the 40s. Like, yeah, but those were the bad guys. Oh, I see what you that mean. That yeah. was okay to show the bad guys being strung up and laid out and all that. I guess, so in Vietnam, that's when you get to see your I own mean, sons and daughters. Even his girlfriend, I mean, she, she was just his girlfriend, for heaven's sake. She got laid out and she got strung up too, but hey, that's okay. She hung out with that bad guy. Yeah. And, and I think the difference between that and Vietnam is... Well, they watched it in black and white because right. it was black and white. But there was a very clear line between who was evil and who was good. When By the time Vietnam came along and you saw those peasants being mutilated and murdered and burned and terrible, terrible things happened, the, the whole mindset of war had changed. And people were saying, well, now, wait a minute. Are those guys really bad? Like, they're just peasant types and yet look what's happening to them but in world war ii it was different if you joined up with Mussolini, and you were maybe you were just an italian peasant but if you joined up with him he was evil so you were evil it was a much more of a mentality of just a black and white world no gray stuff in between but by the time you got to vietnam you had children who had grown up uh, their their parents had been in that war and they were questioning that stuff. And they were saying, wait a minute, that's not right. You're going into somebody else's country and you're wiping them out and you're killing them and they're just peasants. Right. Terrible thing. And so the mindset had changed. But in this in this war, and that's why they have the, the big bombastic music going on, like, we're killing the enemy, we're killing the bad guy, and let's have this, so you don't feel bad about them. Yeah, there was definitely, like, it's almost like an adventure serial of, like, here's some big guns firing, and here's some airplanes, and here's the music, and yeah, yeah. it's like... And here's all this desolation all around, and all these these buildings being bombed, and... But you know what? They asked for it. They're the bad guy. <laughs> right. They were trying to take over the world. We had to do that. So there was, yeah, that that sense of... There wasn't a thing about how terrible war was. It's like, those guys are bad, and we've got to kill them. And it's weird, too, to see how, how how coverage changes. So, yeah, here it's like, you know, it almost feels like a toy commercial when they show the stuff from the war here of like, hey, you should go buy a battleship toy after this or a tank toy because isn't this cool? And then obviously with Vietnam, it was more gritty in your face. But my only memory of like the Gulf War stuff in the early 90s was like the war, quote unquote, that happened in my youth. And the only image I remember even of that war is like drone footage, you know, where they would show the night vision camera and it's just a stale, boring shot of a missile being, you know, like heat seeking toward a building at night and blowing it up. Yeah. And then, like that's what that war was like. In the, was- Gulf war, the Gulf War was very kind of uh, 
I won't say sanitized. Like distant. But, it was yeah, just like distant. Yeah. You didn't see a lot of uh, this on the ground kind of thing, where people were being hurt and done in. And and you'll notice in the what we did watch of that film footage, we saw close-ups of uh, okay when the Nazis took over Belgium and we were watching people being evacuated and, and fleeing to Paris, which was eventually going to be taken over too. Okay, those were the good guys. We saw those people up close. Um, we didn't see what was going on in Germany at the time when Germany was being bombed. And again, they were innocent people who were being done in and killed. And everybody, But oh, didn't show those guys because they were the bad guys. They showed the heroes, the Italian hero, Mussolini. Yeah, showed him being done in. But hey, he deserved it. He was just Joe Bad Guy. They didn't want you to feel, when you watch this footage, they didn't want you to feel bad about any of this stuff. So you had this uplifting music. And just so you wouldn't start thinking about it and feel too bad about it, clip moves right over to something like, oh, Miss uh, Beauty Queen of 1940 and girls running around in bikinis. And, oh, let's have a car race. And let's have a bunch of sheep running up into the mountains. And so they didn't want you to feel bad about it or even give you a lot of time to think about it. But by the time the Vietnam War had come around, it was different. And it wasn't the same thing. It was not a world war. You ne- In Vietnam, you did not have a Hitler. You did not have a Mussolini. You had a bunch of people who were fighting for their own rights to be free. And that is what the children of World War II, their parents who were in that war, came out of that thinking... There was something wrong with that war, but we shouldn't be going into a country and just wiping people out left and right who yeah. want to be free. That is one thing, I guess, you kind of got to give. We also don't want to go over there and be killed. That's where, again, there was a whole lot of young guys who were being conscripted saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to go over there. Yeah, I would have been a deserter for sure. I would run off to Canada in Damn a right. second. Me too. <laughs> Me too. But that is one thing, at least with all of the horribleness of war, you got to kind of give that to World War II is for all the horrible things that happened and stuff, at least it legitimately was a situation that needed to be addressed. You know, like Hitler was trying to take over the world where, yeah, all these other wars are just so, so muddled. And it's like, what are we even doing here? What is the point of any of this? <laughs> you know? And when you dig deep into a whole lot of those wars... Not so much World War II, because you obviously had a, had a guy that was going to take over, and he took over, and they gave him ever, every opportunity to back off, and he didn't. He just kept taking over, because the Aryan race was going to rule the world. But the wars that have been since World War II, if you dig deep into those, they have nothing to do with trying to secure democracy or freedom for anybody. Right. They're money-generated. Somebody wants oil in the Middle East. In Vietnam, the value of the of the land itself, they wanted that, and that's what it all was all about. Like let's uh, let's we can't let those people have their own land and run their own stuff. We want their stuff. I mean, Vietnam had been taken over by uh, the God. The French were in there. The British were in there. Uh, they were all just raping that land, and uh, when they backed out, the Americans were already in there, and they wanted it. You just don't give that to the peasants and let them have their way with it because you need that stuff. You need all those natural resources. And if uh, the the plebs who live there think that they can have it, well, you're just going to run in there and 
no, you can't have that. You're going to have a war. So, and that's what the Vietnam War was all about. It was capitalism and imperialism at its highest. And they just killed front, left, and center. They didn't care. <laughs> I wonder with, uh, like with World War II, like they did show stuff. They did show in one of those film clips, like here's a bunch of, look at this, the Nazis kill all these people. That's crazy. But it was a one-minute news segment, and then let's just move on. And then, like you were saying, the whole 50s was just kind of a let's not think about it. So it's not, yeah, it's not like they never brought it up or people didn't know, but they certainly didn't seem to dwell on it. It's like, because I was surprised how watchable those were. Like, it really did move on. It was like Entertainment Tonight from the 40s. Yeah. It's like, just here's a quick thing. Here's some more. Oh, but here's this, and here's this, yeah. and oh, look, here's car racing. Here's horse and, racing. And as I said, they hardly gave you time to think about it because it was like a minute and move on to something a little lighter, a little lighter, a little lighter, a little lighter. They had a whole formula there. And even the war stuff was more about, yeah, the music and the, the tone of da-da-da than it was about news. <laughs> yeah. And remember now, we watched this in a very condensed thing. We watched a whole lot of this all together. Yeah, it would normally be 10 minutes and Your then that's it. average Joe would go to the movies. He might go once a week, but probably didn't. Probably couldn't afford to go one, not to go every week. Right. So you'd go to the movie, I don't know, seven or eight times a year, maybe. So you'd see one of those very quick and then all that uplifting stuff afterwards. So, you you know, you weren't really, your mind wouldn't get into the, oh, my God, I'm bothered by that. I'm depressed by that. Right. I really am worried about that. And then you wouldn't go again, maybe for maybe a month, might go by, and you'd see another one of those things. And it came at you very fast. And then you watched a movie, two-hour movie, or an hour and a half movie, whatever, that was probably very uplifting, too. So you went away feeling pretty good about yourself, and you weren't really bothered or worried about the war and the terrible things that were going on, because it came at you so fast and was re then replaced by something so uplifting, 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 uplifting. Yeah. And it really is a world away. It's like, it's easy to ignore. Yeah, and it's somewhere else. <laughs> it's like over there. And maybe you've got a husband over there. Maybe you've got a brother over there. And you might be a little kind of bothered by it, but not really, really upset by it because it's not in your face. I got to imagine, too, that if you were, even if you were over there and you saw how bad it was and you were in the middle of warfare and stuff, it's not like you can really easily bring that message back because I'm sure nobody wants to hear it. They're like, yeah, well, you beat Hitler. You did what you had to do. I don't really want to hear about your gangrenous limbs and shit. <laughs> and they say that, that that is one of the things about veterans from World War One and World War Two. You hear that many, many times where they will say that those guys never talked about that stuff. They might have talked about it themselves when they were among themselves at the Legion getting drunk. Uh, but they didn't tell their families about it, and they didn't dwell on it, and they didn't talk about it. And I think it was because, yeah, who who wants to hear that stuff? Yeah. Who wants to hear how somebody, you shot somebody, and they bled all over you, and they were lying, dying in the, in the dirt or the mud? Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. And so then you entered into this sanitized world of the 1950s that was very superficial. And then you move into the 1960s where you get people who are saying, young people, saying, whoa, wait a minute, what the hell happened? Something happened 20 years ago. And we've been covering it up. And, and now you want us to go off and fight in some foreign country somewhere? 
I don't think so. I don't want to yeah. go. Especially, yeah, like, again, like, you know, Hitler is an easy target and a legitimate threat where, yeah, it's like, what's this Vietnam thing about again? Why? What? Sorry. Why do you want me to go just fall into a punji pit and stab bamboo through myself and die? <laughs> like, can you explain this to me again? So I think, too, from the little bit that I looked uh, into just the searching, I'm pretty sure the movie tone news goes up into the 50s. So later on, once we get into the 50s, we'll come back to the movie tone news. And we'll take a look at it and see what kind of a formula they have, because they definitely had a formula in this. Yeah, because here it was, yeah, war, sports, frivolity. Probably by the 50s, it'll just be sports and frivolity. If you were somebody who only went to the movies every, even if you went once a month, or even if you went every week, you probably wouldn't realize that that formula existed. We only yeah. we only picked it up. Yeah, we just mainlined six years of news. We watched it all, and, we, and you kept yeah. seeing the same thing. Wait a minute, like there's the bad stuff. Better, 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 better. Happy. Let's watch the movie now. It is nice to be in just this, you know, media literate time that we have access to all this stuff, and yeah, it's just easier to see what's going on. Where you were mentioning while we were watching this that. Uh, that is like, where did they get some of these shots from? This seems suspiciously well documented. And you were saying you heard even back then that it's like you had to be wary of which shots are even real and which ones are set up. And I totally believe they would. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they film some stuff to ease the presentation? Sure, they do. There's all kinds of famous shots where, where you see World War One is famous for it, where you see guys they're in the trenches and they're going over the top. Now think about it. They're in the trenches, a battle starts, they're going over the top, and the filming is so, like, up front, like you can actually see the faces of these people who are going over the top. Come on now, come on. It's 1915, 1916. Photography wouldn't be that good. You might have a camera on a great big gurney somewhere with great big wheels on it that's filming from a distance. They wouldn't be right in the trench, right beside you, watching you go up over the top. Right. So when you look at that and you don't see that grainy image, now sometimes you'll see them and you'll see them running across the field and it's very grainy and it's got little white marks and stuff in it. And those are probably originals. But those other ones are not. They're faked. And they did a whole lot of that fake filming in somewhere in Canada here, somewhere in Ontario, forgetting where the place was, but they did all kinds of that filming uh, where they recreated that stuff after the war, and now they show it as if it was actually happening. But come on, it's 1915. You could hardly get food out to the front, let alone a camera. Could you get it in that trench? I don't think so. It's funny, too, with the World War II stuff that, uh, you know, there's no way to say for sure which footage was real and which wasn't. But the weird irony is that it'd be pretty easy to film, you know, doctor up some stuff of just soldiers doing stuff. But the really crazy shit, like, you know, uh, fucking boats exploding and kamikaze pilots flying into the sea. You know, those are the real ones because it's easier to just film uh, an actual atrocity. (laughs) Yeah. But some of those ones that where you can see filming, like like you and me sitting this close together, and the filming is as clear as any. Come on, there's a war going on. Like Jesus, I don't think somebody's out there with the with the camera. And in those days, they didn't have like a little camera that you could just take out of your pocket and just take a little click with it. 
yeah, or, this is or some... watch motion action. You, they didn't have that kind of capacity. Even that would be an interesting like movie. Of make a make a movie about some like go getter film guy back in the forties, like <laughs> making these things or whatever. So I guess just to wrap up real quick, I just wanted to mention some of in the little frivolity segments. A couple of those definitely stood out. Of uh, I mean, the car racing was like I guess I've seen those cars where it's like a little tube with. The wheels are really far out from the edges of the car. It's like a little cigar car. (laughs) And uh, I guess I've seen those as like little tin toys, but I've never seen those cars. We have one at home. (laughs) Yeah. I've never seen them in action. And it's just weird to see a whole racetrack filled with this weird car design that is... Well, that first one we watched where they were obviously on a dirt track. And my God, the dust that was coming around. If you weren't the guy in front, you wouldn't be able to see where you were driving. That was one of the few, (laughs) like legit moments that didn't feel staged in any of these was uh the guy with the white flag and the cars go around the corner and then he's like go (laughs) (laughs) that was cool that was good but then we watched that first one which was 1940 and on a dirt track which is just full of cloud and then we watched the next one and it was uh, on a paved track. Yeah. Obviously a paved track. The newest innovation in driving. <laughs> Actual you know, pavement. And those guys weren't going as fast, it didn't seem to me. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that, and I wonder if with those weird old cars and stuff, maybe the dirt road is easier to take those crazy turns on, like your tires would grip better or something. <laughs> I don't know. Make like a rut in, this, in the dirt. I don't know. But yeah, then the other things that stood out to me, there's uh, like, you know, the beauty pageant type stuff where... Yeah, they just like literally oh, cheesecake those ones and literally were had the tape measure out and were measuring this girl's knees because the dainty knees. Yeah, but I've heard of ankles though. I mean, I've never heard of knees ever. Like they, I can't say I've heard of the measuring measuring a girl's ankles. Yeah, a, a dainty dainty knees are considered the height of blah blah blah. And I just think that's funny when you look through you know any the whole history of like it's just weird what you know the different uh, eras consider attractive is totally random it just it's like in the 20s it's flapper girls nowadays it's i like big butts <laughs> you yeah. know it's just like who knows uh, this this decade so, it's this here we this are uh well it wouldn't be 100 years later but it's 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 80 years later from the 1940s and uh beauty pageants with girls in bathing suits are like ooh, don't think that's proper <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, like they definitely did those when I was younger in the 90s and 80s, but even then it was getting, felt a little silly, it was a little weird. Yeah, but those girls in the 1940s, uh, obviously, the beauty pageant meant the girl in the bathing suit. Yeah. And how good she looked and how tight her knees were and how <laughs> yeah. slim her ankles were. You know, saying like it reminds me of phrenology, that old thing where they would measure people's skull dimensions and try to gauge your personality it's like that but for objectifying women of <laughs> just like but now you got to remember too though this is the night okay this is 1940 and in the 1920s and the 1930s eugenics was a very big deal yeah uh, worldwide and uh that's what the whole nazi thing was all about like the the perfect human race you know, the blonde blue-eyed uh <laughs> Aryan. That does just crack me up too. Like Hitler himself is like, "Eh, well, well, not me, but you know. (laughs) But everybody else. So, yes, the perfect human was a very big deal, like in the 20s and 30s. And anybody who kind of didn't fit the mold was kind of like lower class and uh, maybe you should do them in. And anybody who was mentally incompetent, 
you know, they put them off in some institution somewhere. So that is not surprising. I never thought about it before, but that's not surprising that you would have beauty pageants of girls who would be the perfect shape, not just with boobs, hips, waist, but right down to their knees and ankles. Right. And uh, anybody else who didn't kind of cut the, you know, too bad. But that kind of fits all into that eugenics thing that was a very big thing in the 30s. And it was only after what Hitler did to the Jews, Hitler, Hitler and the Germans, uh, the German race, what they did to the Jews, um, when that all came out, that whole eugenics thing was blown right apart. But yeah, it, it was a big thing in the 30s and the 40s. Yeah, I mean, it really is like the through line of, I know it's an easy topic and it gets tiresome to talk about, but I mean, that people are just tribal, you know, back in the tribal days, you're not supposed to be an individual. You're supposed to listen to the leader and do what he says so that everyone will survive. And yet you just see all these different examples of it here of like, the Nazis was the big one. That's the obvious one. But then you get like at the end of the war, Japan, super single-minded and like, we'll just follow the emperor and kamikaze crazy shit. But then in America, yeah, it's like, hey, if they say this is what is an attractive knee, then that's what it is. And we're not going to question it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a lot less uh directly bad but it's the same mindset of just like yeah whatever you say goes chief all right yeah and it comes right down to uh the the black movements now that are trying to get equality and i mean they've been fighting for that for years but it's the same thing it's like uh, there's an image of what is the perfect human and we haven't really moved that much far ahead i hope we moved a little far ahead but from where the germans were in 1940, we're not really that much further ahead yeah. today as a human race. We're well, it's like it's it's the it's like a joke on the internet of uh, as soon as you bring up Nazism to try to prove a point, you've already lost. You know, it's like <laughs> that's when things have just devolved into nonsense. But it's so easy to do, and it it is accurate. It's like whenever you see some weird, I don't know, religious people or anything, any kind of weird mass mentality, it's like yeah, you know. It is just Nazi shit over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> and no one likes to hear it, but it's like, that's what the human race is. It's creepy, but that's that's what helped us survive. So you can't really hold it against us, but you got to acknowledge at some point that, yeah, like you're not making rational choices. You're just doing tribal nonsense. <laughs> you know? And it's just, that's what we do. It's what we are. So the last thing that kind of stood out to me, because uh, I never even heard of this, is... Uh, one of the little, like, here's the frivolous stuff happening, was balloon parachuting, <laughs> where they take a hot air balloon. It was all, it was one of the feminine sports parts, so it was all women, but I assume anyone did this back in the day. But you take the hot air balloon up, I don't know, pretty high, high-ish, and then you parachute out of the balloon and just parachute down. And it was just like fun bungee jumping. But they didn't seem to be that concerned that about that part of it. They kept promoting the fact that this was the mother of five, and here there's the five little children sitting out in the field watching mom go up in this balloon where she could have died or yeah. her parachute wouldn't have opened. And the entertainment there was, hey, kitties, watch mommy yeah. going up there in the big balloon, and now she's parachuting down. Like, isn't that wonderful? Like That's your mom taking a pointless uh, risk. <laughs> kind of freaky. Like, cause what, yeah. if, what if her parachute hadn't opened? There would have been five children left without a, a mother. But they didn't even address that. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, I find, like, bungee jumping and stuff weird enough. 
but at least you are just connected to something. It's pretty safe. This did not, going up in a hot air balloon and parachuting out for no reason is not safe behavior. <laughs> it's fucking weird as hell. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's I mean, that lighthearted stuff that, it's like they kind of kept promoting this stuff. Like a lot of serious stuff was going on in the world, but they didn't want people to worry about it. Yeah. So let's give you this lighthearted stuff like even mom can go up in the balloon and come down and there you are, hi kitties you know yeah this is definitely weird i guess the other thing too the ultimate frivolous segment was this guy he kept showing up i don't remember his name but he oh with that accent yeah he had like a german accent which was extra weird because he's clearly just an american comedy guy i know but it's during the war yeah i know right so that's why i thought he was gonna go away where he just did funny voiceovers like oh baby don't be don't be sad baby blah 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 whatever just like saying funny little voiceover stuff and all six years of these things he kept showing up whoever that guy was they thought he was so funny (laughs) he's a little funny Ugh. But anyway, so there we go. That was a weird episode, but uh, it was kind of it was more interesting than I thought it would be. So there we go. The news. I mean, because it wasn't the news like we think of it now. It is a yeah, movie theater newsreels. It's a different thing. The thing that was that was amazing about it, though, is the shortness of each little clip. Yeah. So that before you had time to think about it, and I think there was a whole method behind that. They wanted to report to you what was going on in the world, very serious stuff going on, but you only got one minute of it before you had time to even get your mind around that. Boom, into another one. And it kept getting lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter. And that formula is really kind of fascinating because then you say to yourself, well, that's how people coped. That's how they got through with this stuff. They didn't really think about it. I wonder if the way people are like, oh, I don't want to be late to the movie because I want to see the trailers. I wonder if people were like that with the, the film reels. Like, I don't want to miss the, the news reel. Or was this the boring thing that you had to sit through? You know what? You probably wanted to get there to see the news reel because where else would you have seen it? There was no TV. Yeah, especially the actual footage. Yeah, that would be You'd see crazy. it. You'd hear it on radio. But that's not the same Yeah. as actually seeing it. So, yeah, you probably, and going to the movies, think about it too. Where else would you get this stuff? There was nowhere else. There was no TV. There were no videos. There was nothing. So the only place you would ever get to see that motion up front, knowing what was really going on in the world, was at the movies. So you'd go and see it, and because you knew nothing else, you would accept that as, oh, okay, that's the truth. That's exactly as they presented it, because what would you have to compare it to? Nothing. Yep. So I think we got, uh, I think, two more 1940 shows that I'd kind of earmarked. But again, it's like the way I just kind of spring it on you each week of whatever we're watching. I'm kind of springing it on myself, too. I don't remember what they are. I just remember there's two more. So so I guess we'll see. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be through the 40s before you know it and on to the 50s. Which then in the 50s, I assume my list of shows is going to be gargantuan. <laughs> but... But, you know, to kick things off with the 40s, it's been it's been interesting, you know? Okay, so we're signing off. Yeah. See you next week, I guess. Jack Benny's still the king. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, what's the best show? Easily Jack Benny. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how things go. <laughs> Here's a graduation day. The Methodist Hospital of Brooklyn is picking the healthiest and huskiest six months old out of their latest crop of babies. Guess which one each mama thinks is the best? Certainly. But the doctor and nurse is more scientific. It's all in the diet. You and me couldn't look that way, 
on pig's knuckles made cabbage and chocolate molds. <laughs> There's a bathing beauty, ain't she cute? While the doctor is tuning in, how about a little smile? Okay, that's enough for them. It's a shame they grow up into us. Sure, some of them cry. Now, 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 stop it. You grow up with a squunched face. And here's the winner, baby Rose Bloisey. A rose by any other name, Rose, don't eat the prize. <laughs> Cute, the new belle of Brooklyn. Hello, Mom, hello, Pop. Me and the Dodgers, hey, Pop?